following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, episode 817 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page. Well, I know you're not the winner of the Mega Millions. You don't know. Drawing. You don't know. Maybe I flew to Illinois Mm. and bought a ticket. Wow, that would be very lucky. Yeah. (laughs) So... Someone in Illinois, like you said, got the ticket. I don't think we know who it is yet, but we do know that a winning ticket was sold for the $1.28 billion jackpot. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the lottery. What do you mean? Well, because, especially scratchers and shit like that. Because that's the you predatory know, nature. It's absolutely predatory. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to get all serious on the fun intro topic, <laughs> but it, it's. I see people who, in no way, should be buying fucking lottery tickets with discretionary income in an effort to try to win it big. Mm-hmm. And it is state sponsored. It's a tax on the poor. Yeah, it's. I don't fucking like it. Yeah, but, but you know, preying on the hopes and dreams of poor people. Yeah, but you know, freedom. Brittany, mm-hmm. freedom. It reminds me of how we fund our health care through GoFundMe pages, mm-hmm. and it's it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. But I think it is this sad exercise in American society that people sit around and think about, what would we do if we won the lottery? Yeah, what I would mean, we do if our life was easier and we didn't have to worry about few, money? <laughs> the, 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 few, the few times that we have bought lottery tickets, and there have been a few times, and usually it's when there's press around how big the jackpot is, although mm-hmm. I fucking failed this time and did not go buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, it is There's entertainment value in it. What, what's a lottery ticket? Two bucks, one buck, five bucks, something like that? Sure. So yeah, it's it's worth five dollars worth of entertainment to sit around for for a few minutes and wax. I was going to say nostalgic, but there's no nostalgia. Just you know, wh- uh, what would we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What would you do? Well, I think my anxiety would be amped up, and I. Yeah, I mean, anxiety if we're poor, anxiety if we're rich, or just anxiety. Yeah, I, I can't win. Smoldering fucking cauldron. I can't win. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm I'm practical, so I would immediately get an attorney. I would immediately get people to help me. And- I don't know if we're in a state. There are a few states out there where you can remain anonymous mm-hmm. and just not ever let anybody know that you won. Mm-hmm. Much to the chagrin of the lottery folks, because they love the publicity, mm-hmm. the marketing aspect of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if DC is one of those states, but like, I would be. I would never let anybody know. So maybe. In Illinois, that's the case. So this person oh. can file a disclosure to keep their name and their city of residence that's confidential. That's awesome. I hope they do that. Yeah. Maybe we've already won the lottery and <laughs> all you fuckers just don't know. No. Well, and listen, if the <laughs> if the winning ticket holder is a listener of I Doubt It podcast, hello. Do not forget about oh, us. Oh, yes. Hello. <laughs> yes. 
I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Let us be the first to knock on your door and act like we've been best friends forever asking for money. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be the nightmare situation for sure. It's bad enough that I'm a nobody on YouTube. Can you imagine if we fell into hundreds of millions of dollars? Well, we had an experience with because you get identified on the street now that's something that happens yeah and we had an experience where someone why am i using the phrase identified what am i what's the word recognized recognized it's like (laughs) you're a criminal or something i don't know what's going on i didn't even know so you got recognized in the front yard of the house yeah i just opened the door and walked out into the yard yeah i think i was with sweepy and the guy immediately was like hey are you are you Jesse Dolomore? I mean, I hadn't even closed the fucking door yet. It's a it, it was a little a little unnerving. Yeah, I mean that's that's scary. So adding millions of dollars into that equation and having it attached to your name because you're a lottery winner. Yeah. Definitely scary. I mean, let's look at it from the perspective of some of the richest guys on the planet. Uh they walk around with security. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to bump into Bill Gates walking down Walking down 14th Street in D.C., mm-hmm. they, you know, it's because of the threat. Yeah. So, so good luck to the winner. I I don't remember what the research says about lottery winners. I didn't take the time to look it up and refresh my memory. I think a lot of times. Bad outcomes sometimes. There's some bad outcomes. So good luck to whoever it is. I think that's the kind of the crucial thing is if you're going to be gifted this much money, you have to have people around you who will help you navigate that in a healthy way. Give a lot of it away. I think yeah. that's the main thing is you, you you need to give a lot of that away. You don't, well, once, you don't need it. Once you have that kind of money, it's going to make money for you. If you're, you, you don't even have to really be smart about it. I mean, capital just breeds more money, you know, mm-hmm. so for sure be given a ton away. Do you yeah. hear that listener who just won the lottery in Illinois? And please be altruistic. If you're it. looking for a place to give it away, there's this website that I heard of. It's patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. It's I I've heard a lot of good things. Now, you know what? We don't want to give Patreon a cut. It's just it's oh. it's 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 six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine or I doubt it at dollar dot com. Just sh- shoot us an email. We'll find a place for the money. <laughs> we we absolutely will. There's a ton of good restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so anyway, all kinds of stuff is going on in the world this second half of the week, and we are going to talk about it right now. But before we do, let's get to a listener voicemail. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Listening to episode 814, and I have just a couple thoughts. One, Brittany mentioned it was not a problem that Democrats registered as Republicans to vote in the primaries recently, and that actually was a huge effort. Um, My neighbors did it. I was too late to do it, but I would have. Um, But there was actually an effort to do that, to put a reasonable person in. I think it's Reclaim Idaho that was was spearheading it, but don't quote me on that. So I probably shouldn't have said it out loud. The other thought, listening to the tale of people talking about their miscarriages, and Jesse's saying, like, the news needs to share every one of these stories. And can I just say, I hate where we are as a country that to have reasonable laws and to fight for our right to have bodily autonomy, we have to share our deepest, darkest, saddest moments. 
as women. It is infuriating and heartbreaking. I also keep seeing these news stories where these companies are applauded for saying that they will cover the um, expenses for their employees that have to travel to out of state to get abortions. And although those companies deserve to be applauded for what they're saying, I don't want to talk to my job about that. I do not want to explain to my boss that I have to make an emergency trip to Oregon. Um, And why? Like, good God. Anyway, thanks for what you do. Lindsay from Idaho. So, Lindsay from Idaho, appreciate the comment about me saying that it wasn't actually... I don't know how I phrased it because it's several episodes ago. And as soon as we're done recording, I forget everything that has happened on the show. (laughs) But I was repeating... What KTVB's Brian Holmes, KTVB is the local Idaho station. KT- the local Boise station. Yeah. Idaho does not consist of Boise. <laughs> Thank you. A local Boise station. It's the, the, the local NBC affiliate in Boise. KTVB's Brian Holmes, in his report of the Republican Party platform meeting, Yeah, when he talked about it. He said there was no data or evidence to support the idea that there was a significant enough number of people that switched to Republican in their party registration in order to disrupt the election for the Republicans Yeah, to make any kind of difference. So I realized that maybe there was a movement to do it or maybe several people did. Maybe people that are listening to this know people who actually did that. But according to KTVB's Brian Holmes, (laughs) there was no data or evidence to suggest that it was significant, I guess is what he's trying to say. Yeah. 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 Um, Interesting point, Lindsay, about the, because I was one of those like, ah, good on those companies for covering those costs. I mean, I would want them to go further and shut down operations in the state altogether, especially businesses who are headquartered in states that are dragging us into some dystopian existence. Um, But I didn't even consider the fact that you'd have to go to the company and say, hey, I need an abortion, and then have to go through the the bureaucratic human resource nightmare of them documenting that and doing what it takes to get it paid for and um, reimbursed or whatever to get out of state to get the procedure. I didn't even think about that. That That is, that's a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good points. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay, for the call. We appreciate it very much. If you would like to sound off, ask a question, Bring up a topic you'd like discussed. Uh, we are right here, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And we also have an email from Roxanne. Jesse, you mentioned on the previous episode that you were confused about this backlash to people using Handmaid's Tale imagery in their protesting materials. Yeah. And you wanted to know why. Why is there a backlash to people using hands, Handmaid's Tale imagery in yeah, their Yeah, like protesting? showing up at... Uh, women show up at, uh, at uh, abortion protests or um, pro-choice gatherings in, like, the Handmaid's Tale outfits. And I see criticism for that. Yeah, and Roxanne is here to explain it. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. We criticize white women for protesting as handmaidens because, one, most white women voted for Trump but then protested the next day in pink pussy hats. 
Two, they voted for him to be reelected in larger numbers. And three, the Handmaid's Tale was real for black women in this country, except they were still expected to work. Black women were treated like breeding cattle and mules in this country. For white women, this is a fiction, but could potentially become reality. And even after the end of slavery, black women still worked. Now, the same white women who essentially voted away their rights are showing up in cosplay to protest a problem they created. We criticize them because their actions feel performative. Signed, Roxanne. I agree with 75% of what you said, Roxanne. Obviously, the history of this country, especially where it relates to slavery and our horrific treatment of, of human beings under the color of law is... Uh, a dark, terrible, reg- I mean, to call it regrettable, just not fucking doing it justice. It's, it's, it's a crime against humanity. However, I think the assertion that women voted for Donald Trump on November 8th, 2016, and then on November 15th or whenever the, the women's march was, went out. So they voted for the guy who grabbed him by the pussy, and then a week later donned their pussy hats to vote to to protest against the guy they had just voted for i don't believe that to be true and i would have to be convinced by some sourcing on that because that that just it's not cogent absolutely most white women did vote for donald trump in 2016 and then even greater numbers of them showed up in 2020 but those it took under my understanding and just it seems common sense to me those aren't the same women. Those women who voted for Donald Trump aren't the ones in the Handmaid's Tale gear. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the women with the pussy hats on. Those aren't the women who are protesting and fearful for their future and the future of all people who are going to be seeking abortions. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe we just have a different outlook on it. But knowing what I know about politics and the electorate and how shit works... That doesn't it doesn't jive with me. I did try to look for numbers on the breakdown, the political breakdown of people who attended the women's march. Now, my understanding is that the women's march was a direct response to the election of Donald Trump and the pink pussy hats specifically were a direct rebuke to Donald Trump yeah. and his grab him by the pussy comments. So I couldn't find a political breakdown on attendees at the Women's March. That's not something I could find. Maybe other people have some evidence of that. But I would be kind of surprised to learn that people who voted for Donald Trump, white women who voted for Donald Trump, then came out and wore pussy hats. To protest him. To protest him. Yeah, I mean, it would be like, you've seen the picture of the woman with the, it's like scrawled and sweaty paint on her white t-shirt that, with an arrow toward her genitals saying, he can grab my pussy anytime. Uh, it would be, I mean, it strains reason and logic to imagine her with a pussy hat on protesting Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. If you have some evidence of it, uh, we would love, love to have it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the email. As always, Roxanne. All right, moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show 
by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporter, Rende D. Rende D. Longtime listener. Yes. And previous supporter of the show who is back. So we are happy to see you. Happy to have you. Thank you so much. Welcome home. Yes. <laughs> we are recording this on Saturday morning. We sent out the Patreon Hangout link already. So if you're listening to this before the call, Saturday, July 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern, remember we have our Patreon Hangouts for those in the Patreon Hangout tier at the end of every month, the last Saturday of every month. So we're getting ready to announce a Patreon giveaway as of the month of August. So Jesse, I think you have more details on how that's going to work. So what we're going to do, we're going to give away... Uh, if you're a new patron, there will be three new t-shirts. We'll have three winners. You'll get to pick your design from the Dollamore uh, merch store. Uh, and we're going to draw from all new patrons starting in August. And then we're not going to leave the, the old existing patrons out. There will also be three t-shirts to be given away to three winners, one t-shirt each for all people who were um, patrons through July 31st. Mm-hmm. So um, we will... Have more details on it, maybe a more uh, cogent way of explaining it. But I think that makes sense. If you have questions, be sure to call in 657-464-7609 or email idoubtit at, at uh, com. And uh, so if you if you become a patron in the, the month of August, you will be entered to win a T-shirt from the store or a piece of merch from the store. Um, and we're not going to pick it. You have to pick it and tell us your size and color and all that, and then we'll we'll have it shipped to you. Exactly. Fan-fucking-tastic. All right, moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Dr. Caitlin Bernard is the doctor at the center of the abortion debate because... She is the doctor that provided the abortion to the 10-year-old that traveled from Ohio to Indiana. Now, she's not... After having been raped. Obviously, she's 10. She's not acknowledging that, the doctor, because she can't say that she provided that specifically, but that has been uncovered in the course of conservatives calling the story a lie and local reporters digging into the story to prove that it was true in order to show the consequences of legislation that Republicans want in this country. Yeah. So she has come forward, started granting interviews, and she was interviewed by CBS News's Nora O'Donnell. I think we're at a time in our country where people are starting to realize the impact of these anti-abortion laws. And now when it's finally become impossible for some people, I think people realize that that is actually not what they intended. That is not what they want for children, for women to be put in these situations of life-threatening conditions, of traumatic pregnancies. When your name was publicly attached to this case, the Attorney General of Indiana said he would investigate you. What was your reaction? It's been really difficult. Indiana's Attorney General Todd Rokita described you as an abortion activist acting as a doctor. How do you respond to that? I'm a physician. I've spent my entire life working to have this position, to be able to take care of patients every single day. Did you at any point violate privacy laws? 
No. And have you failed to report any recent abortions? No. How would you describe how things have changed since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade? We're hearing stories all across the country of people who are in dire circumstances, complications of their pregnancies, or traumatic situations, and are needing abortion care and not able to get it. Is it worse than you imagined? It's worse faster. You've spent your life, your career, taking care of and providing care for women and babies. What has this Supreme Court decision done? You know, this will affect our ability to take care of miscarriages. This will affect our ability to take care of complications in early pregnancy that could kill someone. This will affect our ability to provide infertility treatment, contraception. The list goes on. How would you address concerns by conservatives or those with deeply held religious beliefs that abortion is immoral and wrong? What I would say is if you don't believe that you would have an abortion, then don't have one. You cannot stop other people from accessing medical care that they need based on your personal religious beliefs. You would never want somebody to do that to you. Dr. Bernard told us the Indiana Attorney General has only just reached out to her and her lawyer for the first time nearly two weeks after saying he would investigate her. Dr. Bernard is also pursuing a defamation case against him. Well, let me say this. There is one thing that, that, that struck me in her remarks, and it's, it's very clear that people who are in this business of health care, especially related to, to people who seek abortions, is... They knew it was going to be bad, but it's telling that she's like, well, it got worse faster than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. It's not worse than I thought it would, but the speed at which things became untenable and terrible um, was quicker than I thought. Mm -hmm. Immediate. Yeah, that's telling. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get worse because more states right now, the legislation is being rushed through the different state houses and state senates. For for forty nine, I mean forty nine of the fifty states have a bicameral legislature. Nebraska, I'm getting in the weeds. Fuck. Anyway, um, there are you know like twenty six states that if they don't have the laws on the books, they're rushing to get them on the books, and it's going to be in another year. It's going to be horrible, terrible, worse than it is now, if that's even imaginable. Well, what a way to go into the next topic. (laughs) So, Schumer and... (laughs) I don't set the clips anymore. It was like hellfire and demons. I don't know how to to like gauge my tone because I'm not... I didn't set these clips i don't know what mood i should be in no for the listen next you're listen you're forcing everyone to deal with reality on reality's terms yeah, right now I guess. and it's all a nightmare <laughs> okay damn. you know what though here's here's the deal we have seen some progress some positive movement it seems like congress is actually doing things that they should be doing <laughs> and Part of the evidence of this is Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin coming together and making an agreement. And when I talk about Joe Manchin, I know you're probably like, wait, Joe Manchin, the guy who's constantly standing in the way of any progress in society? Yeah. Yes, that Joe Manchin. He finally made a deal that allows Democrats to move forward with the spending bill. 
Now, it appears Democrats may be getting closer to passing President Biden's domestic agenda, at least partially. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin have struck a deal on a bill that includes energy, health and tax policy provisions. The legislation is expected to be brought to the Senate floor next week. Here for more analysis is congressional correspondent Nicole Killian. Nicole, okay, what made it into the less than excitingly named Inflation Reduction Act of 2022? Because Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin, they finally got together, but they've been on opposing sides of this for a while. So what got in the bill and what got them to get together on this bill after all this time? Well, they haven't necessarily been on opposing sides, but this has been a long, long slog in terms of really being able to reach consensus among Democrats across the board. And that really is the hope going forward with this legislation that both Democrats in the Senate and the House will sign on to this package so that they can clear it as soon as early next month. Uh, What is in the package are investments in deficit reduction, uh, you know, addressing uh, prescription drug prices, uh, dealing with energy and climate. There are a number of programs that would extend over the next decade. What's not in it are some other Democratic priorities like extending child tax care credits, uh, dealing with the issue of elder care, uh, dealing with the issue of education, whether that's universal pre-K, community college, which were other priorities that were in the much larger uh, reconciliation package last year. Now, this deal seems to have come at a bit of a surprise to a couple Senate Republicans. What are you hearing from GOP lawmakers? And do you think any of them will get on board and support the legislation? Well, it seems unlikely. I mean, many Republicans had, in fact, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, for example, had uh, threatened the CHIPS bill, you know, that bill that invests in the semiconductor chip industry that just passed the House. But initially he had threatened uh, withholding support for that or holding that bill up potentially if Democrats move forward with some type of reconciliation package and somehow strategically or coincidentally, however you want to analyze this, you know, we saw that chips bill pass in the Senate and then lo and behold, we got this agreement uh, between Senators Manchin and Schumer on this reconciliation package. And then the House ended up clearing that chips bill yesterday. So uh, basically, you know, kind of Republicans uh, appear to have lost their their upper hand in that one. But, you know, they've always been very critical of Democrats going it alone with a package like this. They continue to argue that this is only going to add to inflation, that this is just excessive and reckless as spending in their view. So uh, again, it seems highly doubtful that they would support a package like this, although certainly Joe Manchin tried to sell it as such, uh, telling reporters yesterday, this isn't just a Democratic bill or a Republican bill, but an American bill. Uh, who, who is that? Who is that woman? Well, they haven't really been on opposing sides. Uh, have you been fucking paying attention? Because yeah, they have. What this seems to me to be, one, it's positive that something's getting done, something's getting passed, there will be some relief for the American people, that's great. The means by which they did this, though, I think the motivations by which they did this, though, I think are electoral related. I think it's the, they've they've somehow gotten through to yacht-living Joe Manchin that, hey, do you like being in the majority? Because if we don't get something fucking done, we're losing in November, and you're not going to be in the majority anymore, Democrat Joe Manchin, 
And I think that somehow that made a little movement in his head. Well, what a weird tagline for this, that it's not a Democratic or Republican bill. It's a bill for America. What Mm -hmm. a way to sell important legislation that you're getting passed in an election year. Like, (laughs) What a way to sell it. It's not the Democrats that are delivering on their promises. It's... And this is a bill for America. He's just—he's the worst in every fucking way. His instincts are just bananas. And so it's important to note what is not included in the Inflation Reduction Act. The monthly child tax credit. Well, he not, hates that. Not being extended. Free pre-kindergarten. Not not included free community college not included uh national paid family leave program not included of course in that clip you heard republicans say that democrats have ignored inflation for too long and that putting money toward it won't help <laughs> you know funding programs that improve the lives of americans not going to help yeah that's the that's the republican stance so what is in the Inflation Reduction Act, you have $40 billion for clean manufacturing tax credits, $30 billion for clean energy technology, $30 billion for clean agricultural funding, $20 billion for clean vehicle manufacturing. I, I can go on and on. There's extension of expanded ACA subsidies. There's prescription drug and vaccine coverage. This is very much focused on climate and health care. And the nonpartisan committee for a responsible federal budget estimates that the bill would put about $385 billion total into combating climate change yeah. and bolstering the United States energy production through changes that would encourage the, the the whole economy basically to cut carbon emissions. Yeah. And although uh, Joe Manchin is on board with this, he did have this to add. My weakness is <laughs> that I can't do much. That was a genuine surprise. I was not <laughs> listening to anything you were saying. I was feverishly trying to get that clip onto the board. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that that is going to be sticking around. Are your spirits buoyed? I, very much. <laughs> very much. That's the joy that I need. Okay. So, of course, progressives have long been critical of Joe Manchin. As well they should be. Or as well we should be. I'm aggressive. Yeah. And and so now they are being questioned, though, about their criticism because Joe Manchin has suddenly decided he wants to cooperate. One of the leading progressives, Representative Jayapal, appeared on CNN to talk about the Schumer-Manchin deal. Joining us now is Democratic Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington. She is the senior whip of the Democratic caucus, and she's the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She also serves on the House Budget Committee. Congresswoman, thank you for being with us this morning. What do you think about this deal? Good morning, Brianna. Um, I think that this is a very, very major step forward. Uh, If we can get it done, and I believe we can, I believe that there's a real deal here. Um, You you know, look, it's it's difficult because it's been a year of negotiations, one step forward, four steps back. But I think we are now very, very close. And every single one of the things that's in this bill is actually a major accomplishment, will help Americans bring costs down, will ensure that we're protecting the planet for our next generation, and uh, will make sure that people's health care is covered um, instead of being cut off in the next, you know, 
30 days, essentially, when those subsidies expire from the American Rescue Plan. So this is a, a massive step forward, and I'm excited to see the next pieces of it, um, including the full text and the process going forward. Two weeks ago, the narrative was so different, right? It was that uh, Manchin had pulled one over on Schumer and the, any sort of deal was dead. And you have been hypercritical of Joe Manchin. You actually called him not a real Democrat at one point. Does this change your assessment? Well, look, on Capitol Hill, things change all the time. And I found that to be successful, what you have to do is you have to roll with whatever comes your way. If we can get this done, it will be a massive step forward for the American people. And, uh, you know, and I think that's what we have to focus on. We have an opportunity now to make historic investments in climate, in health care, in uh, prescription drug pricing. I mean, nothing we have ever done before has allowed Medicare to negotiate prescription drugs. So while there is a lot that was left on the cutting room floor, the reality is this would be a massive accomplishment and it would help the American people. If you get this done, does that make Joe Manchin a real Democrat in your eyes? <laughs> well, look, I, I worked with Joe Manchin many times over the last year. Um, I still think that had we done this back in December, had we done the entirety of the president's agenda, we would be in better shape. But am I happy that Joe Manchin is at the table right now? Absolutely. Welcome in, Joe Manchin. Delighted to work with you to get this done. Um, let's get something done for the American people. People have been hurting for way too long. And I think that's the step that we are at now is let's move this forward. We have a lot of work we have to do. We need to show uh, Democrats across this country that the Democratic Party can actually get stuff done when we have 50 Democrats in the Senate. And I think that's where we are right now. So I'm all about forward looking, Brianna. And uh, hello, Joe Manchin. Happy to have you. So ultimately what she's saying there is welcome to the table, Joe Manchin. Welcome to the party of progress. Welcome to the team that actually wants to better the lives of Americans and not stand in the way as an impediment as some kind of Republican. Right. Really good. I mean, listen, I'm there's no love lost. I don't even know if that's the the phrase or what that fucking means, but fuck Joe Manchin still. <laughs> Think about the things that we've lost out on relative to to spending and appropriations and the child tax credit for instance that's because of joe manchin that we lost that mm -hmm. it just yeah it's some things are unforgivable and he is beyond redemption at this point as a senator i think well and again because the republicans are saying that democrats have ignored inflation for too long and that putting money toward it won't help well it seems like putting money in the pockets of families through the monthly yeah. child tax credit would be something that benefits families in the face of inflation. Right. That seems like something that would be beneficial and important. Yeah, and once again, we're in a situation where the Senate really is the impediment. The Senate is the, the obstruction in all of this. And the House is dutifully getting shit done, passing legislation. Like just recently, they passed uh, an assault weapons ban that will likely die in the Senate. America's ban on assault weapons is expired in 2004. A bill that advanced in Congress today would bring it back. 
The House narrowly passed the bill, 217 to 213. Two Republicans voted for the measure. Five Democrats voted against it. That almost even split suggests the measure might not survive the Senate. All 50 Democrats would need 10 Republicans to help pass it. Last month, President Biden signed the nation's first major gun bill in 30 years. Among other things, it funds mental health programs, supports red flag laws, and targets domestic violence between unmarried partners, the so-called boyfriend loophole. Two Republicans voted yes. Five Republicans voted no. You said two Republicans voted yes. Five Republicans voted no. Five Democrats voted no. One of them was the Nancy Pelosi-endorsed representative from Texas. Henry Cellular. I don't know how to say his name, but... So that's great. Yeah, good on Nancy Pelosi. Awesome, fantastic. Lending your weight of the Speaker of the House in an endorsement, campaigning for this guy, who's not only, who is not only a quote-unquote pro-life, anti-abortion candidate, he's also... Against yeah, pro gun against banning the, <laughs> the the assault weapons. Yeah, just fucking the worst. Like, I wonder what it is about some of these Democrats that has them keeping the D behind their name. I don't know why. Well, what is it about some Democrats who have a D behind their name and no one questions that they're a Democrat campaigning and endorsing? A guy like that, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, make, doing everything she can to make sure he wins his primary against Jessica Cisneros, mm-hmm. and then, you know, rat fucks the Democratic Party and the American people. Yeah. So while we're talking about the passing of legislation, the agreeing on legislation that is going to help Americans, Republicans are blocking legislation that will help Americans, including veterans. Also, blocking legislation that they already voted for and passed. Yeah, so do you want to explain more about what's happening here with the dueling John Stewart, Ted Cruz videos that are coming yeah, out? Yeah, so the PACT Act is a piece of legislation that will cover the health care and, and ease the suffering, the literal medical human suffering of veterans going back to the Vietnam War with Agent Orange, people who have cancer and respiratory illnesses and diseases who have to live on oxygen or they die, uh, all the way through to the burn pits that were uh, used in Iraq and the Middle East where they would burn um, human waste, they would burn tires, just whatever trash, and they would use jet fuel, often whatever accelerant they could, and you've got ash just floating in the sky, and it's just poison. We poisoned our own uh, men and women on the ground. Now, it was passed, I believe, 84 to 16, roundly supported. And then the version of the House bill was slightly different, so it needs to come back, and then they vote on the House version. And that's when Republicans, even the ones who voted for the previous bill, which they're they're virtually identical, but there is language that's different. Mitch McConnell, individuals like this, flip their vote to not support it, and that's where we are right now. There's growing outrage after a bill to help around three and a half million veterans exposed to toxic military burn pits was blocked in the Senate. One of the biggest champions of the measure, comedian Jon Stewart, was visibly upset when 41 Republican senators voted to stall the bill. He called it a disgrace. This is a story we've been following extensively here at CBS Mornings. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge has the reaction. They haven't met a veteran they won't screw over. 
What the f*** are we? Comedian and veterans advocate John Stewart voiced the deep personal anger and frustration felt by so many Thursday on Capitol Hill as the effort to advance bipartisan burn pit legislation failed. They're not on Senate time. They're on human time. Cancer time. The bill would cost an estimated $180 billion over the first four years, expanding health care and disability coverage benefits for nearly two dozen illnesses linked to toxic smoke, including respiratory problems and rare cancer. It was constantly being fed a stream of garbage on one side and jet fuel on the other. Army veteran Mark Jackson was exposed to military burn pits in Afghanistan. The ash from the burn pit would fall kind of like snow onto the tents, of course, onto your skin and into your eyes. As part of an ongoing CBS Mornings investigation, Jackson shared his long list of medical issues, including anemia, osteoporosis and thyroid disorder. I don't care if it costs twice as much as the wars that we fought because they need to budget for the peace, just like they budget for the war. In June, the bill had bipartisan support. The motion is not agreed to. But by Wednesday, 25 Senate Republicans changed their vote to no, raising concerns over how the money was budgeted, arguing it could be spent on programs unrelated to veterans in the future. Yesterday, Democrats pushed back. They voted against the men and women who fight for this country that want to return back to civilian life and have a normal life. And not only those folks, but their families. Stewart said there was no excuse for Washington's delay. Their constituents are dying. And they're going to get it done in the recess? You know, tell their cancer to take a recess. And veterans advocates are calling on Congress not to leave Washington until the legislation passes. The next opportunity is Monday with another procedural vote. In the meantime, veteran Mark Jackson told CBS News there are a lot of good intentions, but more disappointment after years of suffering and their service scale. So like I talked about, there are these dueling videos going back and forth between Jon Stewart and Ted Cruz. And Jon Stewart has been awesome. He has been making appearances on all of the news all, channels. Even Newsmax. I mean, he's going to where the people who need to be convinced are watching. Yeah, and he's also putting out his own videos on his Twitter account, which has then garnered a response from Ted Cruz. And basically, the Republicans are saying that the bill gives billions of dollars in blank checks for unrelated pork, they say, that will make inflation worse. And... John Stewart and Democrats are maintaining that that is absolutely false, that there is money that is going directly to the vets, nothing else, that Republicans are being dishonest in their characterization of what the bill is actually going to do. Yeah, the bill gives oversight to the United States Senate. So do they think they're not going to be good stewards of the money being in the Senate and being, it just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. So like we said, John Stewart making the rounds and he went on Fox news for a while. Fox news wasn't having him on. Finally they did. And it definitely paid off. Spoke two months ago today. And I, I, I watched your, your clip from yesterday. And as we say back in Ohio, you were hacked off. Do you still believe that this bill will get done in some form? Boy, I pray, Bill, you know, it has to. These men and women have suffered for so many years exposed to these, and the government has not fulfilled their promise to them, and it, it has to get done. You know, these men and women live, they call it scan time. You know, they get a scan every three months, and if the scan is good, they get a decent three months, and if the scan is bad, 
and they cannot wait any longer. This delay has to stop. And I want to dispel some of the misinformation that has been put out about this bill. No spending that is not related to veterans has been added to this bill. No last minute budget gimmicks have been added to this bill. Uh, this bill is purely based on toxic exposure, health care and benefits to veterans. And by the way, don't take my word for it. Don't take an idiot's word parked on a side street in New York for it. Congress.gov has the text of the bill. Not one word has been added to that bill from the PACT Act bill that the Senate passed 84 to 14. Not one word has been added to it. There is no added pork. Hunter Biden didn't sneak in and add in unrelated spending in the middle of the night. This bill is exactly as it was with the removal of one sentence that had to do with taxation and rural medical facilities. Yeah, John, I, I so heard the you bill go that was yeah. passed 8414. Uh, sorry about the interruption. It is disheartening to live in a country where the people who are the loudest about we support the troops, we love the vets, woo! This guy. Donald Trump, baby! He loves the vets. He slaps a yellow ribbon on his car when there's conflict. The Republican Party is a party that uh, is very quick to send troops. Let's get into a war. Let's send the troops over there. And then those troops invariably end up in horrible situations where they are either disfigured, they become amputees, they get cancer and other ailments because of the conditions in a forward area. And then when they come home, Republicans are nowhere to be found. They're gone. Not willing to do what it takes to fund aftercare. It's like the, the veteran said, I don't care if this t- if this costs twice as much of the as the wars we fought cost. That's the cost of doing business. That's the price of warfare is the aftercare of the people who went in your stead, Republican politicians, who went in your stead and fought the war that you demanded be fought. Mm-hmm. Just fucking gross. Yeah, it's very, very disappointing. I am happy to see Jon Stewart making the rounds yeah. and doing important work. G- great little jab there about Hunter Biden. Right. Not sure Bell Hammer loved it, but he did give him a courtesy chuckle. So that's nice. Another fucking charlatan yeah (laughs) so we are looking for your input on anything that we've covered today anything we've covered in any previous show but don't go back too far because we are embarrassed of the early episodes you're six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine or i doubt it at dollamore.com It's the asshole of today. West Virginia State Representative Chris Pritt. Not Chris Pratt, although a a case could be made. Chris Pritt. Chris Pritt. West Virginia's Republican-controlled Senate passed a strict abortion ban with very few exceptions on Friday. The exceptions being 
life-threatening complications. Again, this nebulous phrase that keeps being included in legislation as an exception that is creating a lot of problems because what does that actually mean? How close does someone need to be to death before you actually intervene? before you are then vulnerable to a lawsuit, for example. Uh, In addition to that exception, they are including an exception for victims of rape or incest, but they do have to report their assault. So again, this is similar to the Idaho legislation where you need to have reported your assault or you cannot get an abortion. So again, these exceptions are bullshit. And like so many... Republican states that have enacted extreme measures to ban abortion that also do not provide well for their constituents that have the highest maternal mortality rates, all of that. West Virginia, Chris Pratt, I'm sorry, Chris Pritt, (laughs) you did that to me. You did that. Chris Pritt is now questioning whether or not child support is going to be something that causes people to seek abortions. Let's say you've got a father who doesn't want to really be involved in the life at all, really. Um, He knows that if if she carries through the pregnancy, he's going to have possibly some sort of child support obligation. And so what he wants to do is he wants to, in in a sense, encourage her to go and find a way to get an abortion because he knows that if if it's a certain individual if he has any kind of familiarity with her uh, he knows that she might be of such a state of mind she may be in such a vulnerable position that she decides it's not worth everything he's going to put me through uh, to carry this this uh, pregnancy forward it's going to be easier it's going to be better for me to go and just terminate this life and so what she does is she goes over to Virginia, she goes over to some other state where abortion is legal, and she goes and gets the abortion. And so I think that's a really uh, clear possibility if, if we enact the, the Second Amendment here. Uh, I don't want to be doing anything whatsoever that is encouraging folks to go and get an abortion. So if someone shows up, to, they need an abortion. Hey, I'm here because um, I don't I, I don't want this pregnancy. I just found out eight, ten weeks, whatever. Hey, I, I want an abortion. No, you can't have an abortion. Uh, okay, well, can I? You're going to force me to have the baby. Are you going to help me? Is the state going to help me once I have the baby to care for the baby to to put the baby in daycare while I go to work? No, fuck you. No help for you. All right, well, can I at least get child support from the father to help me cover costs and maybe continue to work and go to uh, put the baby in daycare? No, fuck you, no child support either. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, listen, the, the word dystopian is getting just soft because it, it, it doesn't really mean anything anymore. But it's true. A state like West Virginia, a poor a desperately poor, economically disadvantaged community of individuals who live there, citizenry. And they are putting women in the most vulnerable position that they possibly can, mm-hmm. by choice. And you got idiots like this, fuckholes like this, Chris Pritt, arguing to do away with child support. Mm-hmm. It just... Tell me again it's not fucking Handmaid's Tale where the men have all the benefits in the society 
And the women are second, third, fourth class citizens. Well, I was listening to this. You didn't tell me what it was. I was just listening to you listen to it. And I was like, huh, this guy's... Hell, he's making a good argument for why people need access to abortion. Is yeah. that, you know, they're afraid that the person who has impregnated them is not going to step up and provide. And wow, he's really making some sense. And then it just took a turn for the worse. Yeah. I was like, okay, we can't. <laughs> Child support is going to encourage abortion. Like, Jesus, I'm mean, come the fuck on, man. Yeah. So West Virginia, Chris Pritt, asshole of today. West Virginia is going to continue, though, to be the theme as we wrap up the show. Taking care of biz. 12-year-old Addison Gardner is taking care of biz because she attended the public hearing in West Virginia on this abortion bill when they were trying to figure out what's going to be banned. What 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 are the exceptions going to be? Yeah. Are we going to include any exceptions? And she spoke out. The 12-year-old. Think about this. A 12-year-old girl coming forward at a public hearing about abortion in West Virginia to share her thoughts. I attend Buffalo Middle School. I play for varsity volleyball and I run track. My education is very important to me and I plan on doing great things in life. If a man decides that I'm an object and does unspeakable and tragic things to me, am I a child supposed to carry and birth another child? Am I to put my body through the physical trauma of pregnancy? Am I to suffer the mental implications a child who had no say in what was being done with my body. Some here say they are pro-life. What about my life? Yeah, yeah. And does, my not, does my life not matter to you? So where were you at 12? Yeah, not, not there, not there <laughs> mentally for sure. And I guess this kind of goes to Lindsay's call from earlier in the show that it is it's sad really that a 12 year old is attending a public hearing to speak about the issue of abortion because this is something that is on the minds of children now because they're aware because they have access to information because they want a say in how the government is going to be run because it affects them. Yeah, and it's not an, listen, this isn't an unreasonable scenario that the why would the this isn't even on the table. Yeah, it is because it's already this way in several states in the United States. Right. It's already that if Addison was raped, she would be forced to have the baby in several states in the United States. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Right. Right. So I need to go buy myself a handmaid's tale fucking costume. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You're going to be out there in the Handmaid's Tale costume? Yeah. So Addison Gardner, taking care of biz, using your voice to help other people who may not be able to come and speak out at a public hearing the way that you did. So very powerful, taking care of biz. Absolutely. We'd love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it. At Dollamore.com. I would love some discussion surrounding these topics. Uh, thank you for your support, whether that be through listening or engaging with us on social media. We are at I Doubt It Podcast on Twitter, at Brittany E. Page on Twitter, and at Dollamore on the Twitter. 
Um, if you have been on the fence and you're, you're, you're coming around, maybe I do want to support a couple bucks a month. Go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and help support and produce what we do here on a twice weekly basis. We love you guys. We appreciate the community that is built up around this show. It is so meaningful. We'll see you next time. With Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.